What is going on guys and welcome to another episode of the Lean365 podcast. So in this episode, I'm going to run you through exactly what I would do to get super shredded. So I'm going to talk you through my 2022 shoot prep, which for me, I think is the time that I got into the shape of my life. Um, I've done a lot of shoot preps now. I've done a photo shoot. I've done a competition. So I've done a few things that have really tested me to push my body fat to that next level. And I just want to give you a bit of an insight in how that would look and just give you a bit of an understanding of exactly what my last shoot prep looked like to kind of talk you through the nutrition, the supplements, um, the training, all that kind of stuff, so you get a good uh, understanding and level. Now, the reason why I think the last shoot prep for me was a really good one, and the reason I wanna I want to talk about that one in a bit more detail is because that one for me is actually where I felt a lot better. I felt like it was a much more sustainable approach. I handled it much better. I handled the rebound a lot better. There wasn't really a rebound. And trust me when I say I have done these things really badly as well. So I thought it would be nice for me to explain to you how to get super shredded um, and uh, actually do it in a more sustainable fashion and know how to kind of maintain your results afterwards. Um, obviously, getting super lean isn't completely sustainable. So I'd be lying if I said here that you literally can just get completely shredded, uh, like you should be on the front of a men's health magazine without it being a bit of sacrifice and without there being a bit of graft that goes into it. Because if it was that easy, then everyone would be walking around with a six pack and be completely ripped. And we know that's not the case, right? So of course, there's going to be a bit of sacrifice. It's not easy, but I can give you a good understanding of exactly what that would look like. And maybe you can decide as to whether that's something that you want to do as well. I genuinely think that every single guy should always strive to get completely shredded at one point in their life. I think they should see what they're capable of. I think they should really, really see what can I actually do with my physique? How far can I take this? What can I achieve? Because it's a huge sense of achievement when you actually get there as well. Every time I've done a shoot, I've felt a massive reward and sense of achievement when I've completed that. And it's just a feeling like nothing else. It's a similar feeling as to when you do like a big endurance event. So like when I completed my half marathon recently, again, I had that same feeling that, fuck, you know, this is a really good feeling. I've really tested myself. I've done something for myself here. Um, and I just think every guy, every uh, female that's listening to this, you should always try and strive for doing these kind of things because they test you, they build character, they build resilience and they build strength. And I think that's what we should always be trying to do in life. So I'm going to run you through kind of each aspect and hopefully give you a bit of an insight into exactly how that worked. So for me, I think I started at around 90 kilos. Now I did this shoot, uh, it was kind of towards the summer of last year when I did it. It was just before the summer, which meant that I was uh, nicely lean for the summer after that. Um, and I think I started around 90 kilos. So that was kind of like the peak weight that I got to. Um, now I was in a bit of a gaining phase before, so I pushed my calories up quite high. Um, I was working with a coach at the time, which I'm gonna get into a little bit more in, in a second. And uh, I think we managed to get to about uh, 90 kilos with my body weight. And we managed to push calories to, I think about 4K per day. We were probably just about to, to push over that level. Um, so the first thing that I would always say to people, if you're trying to get into incredible shape, and look, this is not a plug because you know I say this quite a lot, but realistically, you need a coach. Like if your goal is to get completely shredded and you're trying to do it on your own, I just think you're just, you're gonna really struggle. You're really gonna struggle. It's, there's just so much that goes into it. There's choices that you have to make. There's decisions that need to be made. The accountability aspect. And I think doing it on your own is just gonna be a very frustrating process. I'm not gonna say that you can't get there on your own. I know some people that obviously have got the discipline to be able to do that, but yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. So for me, you know, I'm a busy guy. I'm running a business. You know, I'm, I'm looking after lots of clients. I don't really want to be sitting there and trying to work out my own nutrition and you know what sort of foods I should be eating and how my training should look. I just think that that is something that I want to outsource. That's something that I want to delegate to uh, you know a coach that can look after me and do that. So for me to get expert guidance to to outsource this was an absolute no brainer uh, in that situation. So I think the first thing is really like look at getting a coach. Okay, I'm not saying that everyone's in a position where they can afford a coach. But your health and your fitness should be your number one priority. And you know, if the goal means enough to you, then it's a no-brainer to invest in and find someone 
that can help you get there a lot easier, a lot quicker, um, you know, and take away that stress. So that's the first thing I would say, you know, there's this two different ways we can look at it. If you're just trying to get into a little bit better shape, you just want to have a bit more confidence, you know, you want to lose a little bit of fat, then of course you can probably get there yourself. Um, but if the goal is, you know, you want to achieve your absolute fucking best and you want to see what you're made of, um, I think having a coach, accountability, guidance and structure that you can get from somebody else is an absolute no-brainer for that. Um, and the second thing I think is genuinely setting that goal, okay? So if you are trying to get super shredded, you need to really understand what that looks like and how that goal should be set. You know, and I think this is why photo shoots are fantastic. I don't think all Always look at a shoot from a perspective of, oh, I'm going to be, you know, uh, stood there in my boxes in a gym from a vanity level. I think look at it in terms of like, I've set a fucking date here. Like I need to work my ass off to be in shape. Nobody wants to turn up to a shoot and feel that they haven't tried their best. They haven't worked their hardest. So for me, it was like a no brainer. I wanted to be in shape in my life. I wanted to do something. I wanted to see how far I could test it. So I thought, let's book a shoot with one of the best photographers in the industry. And that's going to give me huge, you know, intent in terms of getting the job done. So I did that and you know, the results came forward and I got into the shape of my life. So I think that's another thing to be very clear on. Set yourself a goal. doesn't mean it has to be a shoot. And we set goals for clients all the time. You don't involve shoots. Sometimes they might have a holiday lined up. Sometimes I'll just set clients a date and say, look, we're going to do something on this date. You know, you're going to go out. You're going to take the missus out. You're going to feel fucking brilliant in these clothes. So look, this is the date we're going to work towards. Um, but I think having a goal in place is important, whether it's a holiday, whatever that might be. A date needs to be set. So I think if you're trying to get super shredded and you're not putting a goal on that, you're not putting dates and timeframes in place, I think you're going to struggle. I think you're going to fall short. I think you're going to lose motivation. You're going to lose intent at certain points of that journey. So I think genuinely do that and make sure you have something in place that you're actually working towards, okay? Now, my total prep length, I believe, was about seven weeks. Now, I am going to be honest here. I don't For 90% of the listeners, you are going to need more than seven weeks to get shredded, okay? It's very, very far and few and far between that we'll be able to get lean in that time frame. The reason why I only needed seven weeks is because I never really let myself get into a position where I'm carrying huge amounts of body fat. So like people would look at me in my off season and they'd probably be like, look, this guy's, you know, really, really lean. Um, I never really liked that. I always like to have my abs. I always like to have a six pack all year round. So for me, I didn't need longer than seven weeks. Um, and look, most people, when they join the program, you know, most guys, even if they're in pretty good shape, it's generally like 12 to 16 week period as to where we get them completely diced. So seven weeks is not a long time. But as I said, for me, I didn't feel like I needed longer than that. You know, I was in a good position. I knew I could adhere very quickly. I knew I could stick to it. It was, it was something I was going completely all in on. So for me, seven weeks was enough time. And it just kind of like went quite, it lined quite nicely with the way that I'd set things up for my year and uh, the dates and stuff went there. And that was a date that the photographer had free as well with the location that we wanted to shoot at. So for me, it was the date that we went for. So um, I think you need to get that time frame in place and, and be realistic in terms of where you're at as well. Okay, like I say, for most of you that are listening to this right now, guys, girls, you're probably going to need 12, 16 weeks minimum to get that shape that you want, potentially a little bit longer as well. And again, it depends on that kind of, you know, how far you're looking to really take your physique. If you're looking to get completely diced and completely shredded, then it's going to take you longer uh, potentially than just looking to get, you know, a little bit lean and have that beach body. So there's obviously levels to this and you need to know exactly what level you're striving towards. So that was that. So from a nutrition perspective, now I think we started at about 3,000 calories per day, which again, that seems like a lot of food and there's probably people listening to this, like how the hell were you dropping body fat at 3,000 calories per day? Well, look, this is what happens when you spend a long time building muscle. And this is why I say that guys need to be able to put themselves in a bulking phase because when you gain muscle and you get your metabolism to be firing at a lot of calories, your body gets used to eating lots of food. You need to be eating lots of food. So 
when you start going into a cut, you can start your calories super high and still lose body fat. So 3,000 calories per day was nice. You know, it meant for me that I was able to eat a lot of food still, get a lot of my favorite foods in there, some of those highly palatable foods, and still lose weight and still drop, drop body fat, which was, you know, a nice position to be in. Um, and the way that my calories looked, I think we were about 220 protein, and that was calculated roughly at one gram per pound of my weight, which was about 220 pounds, uh, about 60 to 70 grams of fat, and then about 400 grams of carbs, roughly. And then what we did on my lower... Um, my non-training days, we just basically brought carbs down. So we went for a slightly less carb approach and a slightly higher fat approach. Now, the reason why I think this is quite good to do is because on the days that you're not training, um, you don't need a, all those carbs. It's much better for carb utilization to be having them on days where you're training because you know your demand for carbs is going to be a lot better, a lot needed a lot more. Whereas when you're not training and when you're you know at work or whatever, uh, you don't necessarily need to be having all those carbs. Okay, 400 grams of carbs on a day when I wasn't training, you know, it didn't seem like it was needed. So what we would do is we would increase my fats. Uh, and then what that would do is it would help slow down the digestion of some of those meals, it would help my appetite, and it was just generally a better way to do it. And my blood sugar wasn't kind of moving so much because, you know, I wasn't training, I wasn't needing that food. So that's just a slightly kind of more advanced way of looking at things. And, you know, this isn't to say, again, that every, every guy, every girl needs to be doing this. I think that uh, carb cycling is something that's a little bit more advanced and you can start to do that when you understand things better. And again, it's going to go back to my first point, you know, this is why we have a coach because coaches know, the, know these things and they know exactly how to get the best out of us in terms of nutrition. So that's the approach that I went for. And then over time, we just naturally just brought those calories down. So, you know, throughout this sort of seven week period, we slowly dropped, we slowly dropped. As my body still would start to catch up a little bit, we brought the calories down. Pretty standard stuff when we're dieting. That's that's how things should look. Okay, you're going to need to drop your calories throughout that week, throughout the sort of you know time that you are going to be dieting for, and it's impossible to say when you're going to need to do it. Okay, I'm a very uh, reactive coach. Okay, I'm not very proactive, and I think the reason why is because I don't know when people's bodies are going to need me to make calories, uh, make changes to their calories and things like that. So when a client checks in, I want to write, okay, we need to potentially look at dropping things a little bit this week. Okay, reactive. If I'm proactive and I make a change for no reason, like what's the point? We don't change things that aren't needed. Okay, you don't fix what's not broken. So that's effectively how we looked at things. Um, and then I can't remember exactly how low my calories got, but I think we got to about two and a half thousand calories. Uh, that was my lowest in terms of the training days, which again was nice. It was a lot. And then on my rest uh, days, I think I was at about 2,000 calories per day, roughly. And again, with that slightly higher fat approach. So that was what was working pretty well for me. Um, and then what we did as well, which is something I'm a massive advocate of, is we bought that off-plan meal in every Saturday. And honestly, that was an absolute game changer for me. And it's something I use with all clients. Um, and this was pretty much fitted into my calories. You know, it wasn't anything more than that. There was probably some Saturdays where I was a little bit higher on my calories and the off-plan meal probably took me over the two and a half. Um, but that's simply because we use it as more of a refeed. So when you start to get very, very lean and very shredded, you actually do need to start having days where you strategically push your calories a little bit higher. Now, there's a few reasons for that. I'm not going to explain them too much on this because I want to, you know, I want to keep this quite sharp. Um, but that's what we did a few times. We started to push calories a little bit higher on a Saturday occasionally, slightly more carbs. And that just made me kind of like reset a little bit more and, and helped me push forward. But what it meant as well is at the time um, I was in a relationship. So it was very nice to have the flexibility in terms of you know being with my partner and being able to enjoy nice nice food, nice things at the weekend. Um, and just having that downtime is really key to be able to do that. A lot of people restrict things so much when they're dieting, you know, they try and cut everything out, even at the weekend, so that I'm not gonna have any crap, I'm just gonna be completely clean all the time. And it just does not work. Honestly, I've tried it, it does not work. So Saturday was a day for me where we you know, strategically planned in some nicer foods, which I could have. It was actually quite hot at the time, so we had a lot of barbecues, and um, I used to really use 
fasting and things like that to be able to save lots of calories for my higher calorie day. And, and it worked incredibly well. I had no issues at all with it. Um, and it just meant the next day I was able to get back on the plan completely and, you know, not kind of keep, keep the high calories coming, which is what a lot of people make mistakes on as well. So that's the kind of way we structured nutrition. It was, it was good. I followed pretty much a meal plan most of it. Um, again, there was a bit of flexibility in the evening. So for me, when I was in the day, I was busy, I was working. Um, I didn't really feel the need to switch nutrition too much. I was keeping pretty structured with my food choices. I wasn't really having huge amounts of uh, differences in the things I was eating. There were slight changes on a day-to-day basis, but generally it's very structured and it was a food that I liked having anyway, so it was not an issue for me at all. Um, the days where we had a bit more flexibility, the, the timings of that was, yeah, generally around the evening. So again, myself and my partner at the time, um, you know, we would have different foods, potentially in the evening, different meats, different fishes, whatever, different fishes, different fish. So we like to kind of like have and try different things. You know, I, I wasn't able to just be sit there every night with my chicken and rice because um, I had to obviously, you know, be able to, to, to enjoy different foods with my partner. And that was absolutely fine. I like to do that. But again, it was tracking fat calories and making sure that, you know, the calories and the targets are being hit. Uh, but generally, it was structured throughout the day. Um, and then, you know, pre-post-workout, pretty much the same. And then a little bit of flexibility during the evening time, which I think is an approach that, again, huge advocate of it. It's something that I would recommend to most clients as well. So we use something like that where we're basically having structure, but we're having a bit of flexibility in there at the same time. So that was that. From a supplements perspective, so first thing I will say before we go into supplements is they are the icing on the cake and things like this, okay? They are not going to take your physique to that next level unless you already have everything in place already. So your nutrition's on point, you're in a calorie deficit, and then the supplements can add that 1%, 2%. They are not literally going to take you from, you know, being overweight and out of shape to having a six-pack. That's not what they do. So you need to make sure you've got everything else in place first before you start looking down the supplement route. Now, the, the ones that I used... Uh, one that I thought was really effective was your himbine. And this is something that I uh, tell a lot of clients to use when they get a little bit leaner and they really want to drop the last bits of body fat. Uh, now, what your himbine is, is it's not anything that's actually uh, going to cause you any massive problems. It's actually uh, made out of a tree bark. So, so it's quite a natural substance. And what we can do here is it's just a great substance for dropping body fat. And there has actually been studies to show that it can help with dropping body fat. And a great way to kind of assess a supplement is if you go onto examine.com, you can see the studies that have been taken for that supplement. And it will actually tell you as to whether it's effective. It will say whether the studies, um, you know, led to it showing evidence of it working um, or whether it doesn't. So if there's any supplements you're not sure about, I would go into examine and have a look at exactly, you know, what those supplements are and if they work. And your himbine is something that generally is good for dropping body fat. And it has been shown to do that. Um, so your himbine is something I took. And generally with your himbine, we take it at about 0.2 milligrams per kilo of your body weight. So for me, that was roughly 15 milligrams pushed up to about 20 milligrams towards the end. And with your himbine as well, we need to remember that it only really works in the fastest state. So if you take your himbine and you're not fasted and you've eaten loads of food, then it's not really going to have the same effect that we want it to have. So your himbine is taken in the morning first thing on an empty stomach with some water. And then I wouldn't eat for another sort of two to three hours or whatever and have my first meal a little bit after. And again, that's a great tactic in terms of saving calories and backloading them a little bit later in the day. So we do that, I take your himbine. And also what I would do is I'd uh, call this my kind of fat burning stack. I would have uh, caffeine on top of your himbine as well. So I'd basically have about 200 milligrams of caffeine, which isn't too much. Again, you need to look at your tolerance to caffeine. I wouldn't just say go out there and smash 200 milligrams. That's roughly about um, two coffees, around maybe like a double espresso amount of, of caffeine. Um, and that's what I would have. So I have about 200 milligrams of caffeine and then I have about 50 milligrams of your himbine. Um, now, the only thing you need to remember with these things is you can get a little bit jittery. Your himbine can sometimes make you feel a little bit nauseous if you haven't taken it before. So you need to be aware of that. But generally, I didn't really get any bad effects, to be honest. Like it used to you know, be, a, be a very effective supplement. It used to help with curbing my appetite as well. And, and then I used to go for a walk in the morning. So I'd, I'd probably get up, go for my walk, and then I'd have the caffeine new himbine after. So I kind of let my body wake up naturally a little bit first. And then after that, that's when I go down the supplements and have that. 
have a glass of water, wait a little bit, and then obviously I'd have my first meal after that. That used to work very, very well, and it used to give me good effects. Um, other things that I took was things like essential amino acids. So I'd have EAAs whilst I was training. Again, I wouldn't say EAAs are essential. There is kind of mixed studies in terms of whether they actually work. But I just for me, it was almost like a little bit of a placebo effect. You know, the one one to two percent marginal gains that I might have got from taking EAs, essential amino acids. For me, it was worth taking. Okay, don't get your essential amino acids confused with branch chain amino acids. EAAs are a lot better, and if they are, if there is an amino acid supplement that works, it's going to be essential amino acids, not branch chain amino acids. So there is a difference there. So make sure you buy EAAs and not BCAAs. Um, so that's what I took whilst I was training. Again, slightly meant to help with muscle protein synthesis, slightly meant to help in terms of retaining muscle mass whilst you're training. And I think when you're in a calorie deficit, logistically, that does make sense. We're trying to stop us, stop ourselves from losing muscle. So taking something that's going to stimulate muscle protein synthesis when we're training, it kind of makes sense that it would be something that's worth taking whilst you're cutting. And that's exactly why I took it. Um, and then after that, we were looking at things like whey protein and then just your standard vitamins and minerals supplements as well. So just making sure I was keeping good health, um, multivitamins, omega supplements, things like that, which again, have a very good effect on us. Uh, you know, bearing in mind, sometimes people don't want to eat loads of oily fish all the time. You know, sometimes you're not going to eat all the um, vegetables that contain the right amount of vitamins. So I like to think as multivitamins is a bit of an insurance policy sometimes just to make sure we're hitting, you know, what we need to be getting from a micronutrient perspective. Now, I just want to be very clear on this prep, okay? I did not use any steroids. I didn't use any clem. So I don't want people to think that the physique that I achieved was from taking PEDS, performance enhancing drugs or anything like that. This was, was you know, completely clean prep. The only thing that I guess you could say isn't over the counter is your himbine, but this is not anything that I would say should really raise any eyebrows because... Uh, I've taken this lots of times before, lots of clients have taken it and it's never really caused any issues at all. So that's that. Now, in terms of a steps and cardio perspective, so I started off at about 10,000 steps per day, which for me was actually easy because I was already doing that. I've never really let my steps drop below 10,000 per day for the last 10 years. It's always been something I've done naturally because I just, I'm an active person and you know I see the value in making sure I'm hitting those steps. So 10,000 steps per day was my starting position. And then over time, we slowly up back to about 12,500. Now, I don't think I went over 12,500. I've never really needed to do that ever um, when I've been in a pursuit to getting completely shredded. Uh, there's been some clients that I have pushed higher. I've pushed some clients to 15 to 17,500 steps uh, when I've really been like really testing them. But for me, it's just not anything that I've, I've needed to do. I've always found 12,500 is probably the limit for me. Um, and if I needed to go over that, I would. It's not like you know, I wouldn't want to, but for me, I just haven't ever needed to. So 12,500 is, is for me where I've had to get to. And then I think from a cardio perspective, we started off at about 20 minutes, um, five days per week. So basically after my training sessions, we were doing 20 minutes of low intensity steady state cardio. So that is effectively your list, okay? So we're not looking here at trying to, you know, go really quick, use really high amounts of intensity and energy. Uh, this is basically just about burning body fat and trying to keep in a fat burning zone, which is roughly about 120 to 140 beats per minute. So when you're doing your cardio and you're trying to be in that low intensity steady state kind of position, you want to be at about 120 to 140 BPM. So if you just put your hands on the sensors, you'll see roughly where you're at. And if you try and stay within that bracket, that means we're effectively going to be in a fat burning zone. We're not going to be working too hard. So we're going to affect recovery, but we're going to get the kind of optimum effect in terms of what we want to do. And then over time, I push from about 20 times five minutes, sorry, five lots of 20 minutes to about uh, five lots of 30 minutes. So we didn't go over that. I, I kept it at 30 minutes, didn't need to go over that again. And what I started to do was I started to split my cardio towards the end so that I was doing 30 minutes in the morning fasted and then I was doing you know my training sessions later. This is not something you have to do, okay? The whole idea of fasted cardio is a bit of a myth. It does not matter when you do your cardio. However, what I wanted to do was I wanted to be able to really train hard 
And, you know, energy levels started to slack a little bit towards the end. So I thought if I can go all in uh, with my weight sessions and keep them to an hour, then I don't have to worry about doing the kind of grueling cardio afterwards and gets a little bit boring. So for me in the morning, energy levels are nice and high. Motivation is nice and high. So get to the gym, do my faster cardio, and then I'd go home afterwards and then obviously go and train at that. But it doesn't matter. Like if you're the sort of person that only has time to go to the gym once, please do not think you need to do faster cardio. You really can just go and do your cardio after you train. To be honest, you don't even need to do cardio if you're trying to get lean. Um, we've had lots of people that have got in shape without even doing cardio so again it's going to be very individual but i think you know if we want to make the process a little bit faster a little bit easier and we are looking to get into that absolute killer shape doing cardio is probably going to help that process as well but what we want to remember is we want to try and do the minimal as we can at the start so not do lots of cardio and then over time you want to slowly up it as we need to so one big mistake that people make is they go in the gym and they try and do lots of cardio at the start because they think that's what they need to do when in actual fact you don't want to do that because when you do need to start upping your cardio which you are going to need to do you're then not going to be able to really up it from you know you're not going to have huge amounts more you can up it to if you're already doing a lot of the start so we really want to try and get the most amount of progress as we can out of the minimum amount of effort foot and then over time as things start to get a little bit stale we start to hit plateaus we can start to play the cardio card we can start to drop our calories and things like that so that's the kind of perspective that i took with that now in terms of training so my training was pretty simple i trained five days per week from a, um, a weight uh, resistance training perspective and I did a push pull legs and push pull split so legs have always been for me probably one of my strongest body parts okay so i've always had good legs always had big quads um so it didn't really make sense to be doing my legs twice per week if i'm honest one good leg day per week that was enough for me um and didn't need to really be focusing on doing more than that my upper body is something i want to focus on the most typical guy so that's why we used four sessions per week which was solely focusing on upper body now this is something again that i would really preach towards guys potentially that want to you know, build that beach body, okay? I'm not gonna say skip leg day, never ever skip leg day, but if you are looking to really optimize your upper body, then one leg day per week, as long as it's programmed correctly, that's gonna be absolutely fine, okay? If you can train push, pull, legs, and then if you're doing four sessions, maybe keep that last session to upper body, then again, you can get a really good amount of volume across the week to be able to make sure your upper body's progressing nicely. So that's what we took. And then in terms of the way that training was structured, I'm not gonna run you through exactly my training program, but generally it was a lot of compounds. We used a few machines as well. It was very bodybuilder focused. I was working with a bodybuilding coach at the time. He's an IFBB pro. So he did give me a good perspective on how to train you know, for muscle hypertrophy, for, for getting in the best shape. But generally, kind of without overcomplicating things, we were working to around two to three working sets, okay? So two to three sets where I was going all out and going really hard. And then around kind of eight to 15 rep range, roughly. So we were working around that, um, which is, again, pretty standard stuff, really. That is where I would recommend most, uh, you know, people train that in terms of wanting to build the best physique they can uh, from a resistance training perspective. So we did that. And then three days per week, I was hit my abs as well, roughly. So from an abs perspective, it wasn't anything too full on. Um, you don't need to be training your abs you know, for hours at times and doing actual you know, full-on sessions and just working towards abs. This more so just kind of adding them onto the end of your resistance training session. So you know, abs are muscles. They do need to be trained. I'm a big believer that you can't just you know, hope that you get a six-pack by... That's, that's the wrong thing to say. You can still get a six-pack by not training your abs. But if you really want to build those washboard abs, big, thick abs, you're going to need to do a little bit of work on them. So yes, they're made in the kitchen, but if you really want to optimize and make sure you have you know the, the strongest and best muscle uh, core you, you, you can have, you do need to be still training a little bit, okay? And I was basically doing about three times, uh, three lots of sessions of abs per week, and I was tagging them onto the end of my big workouts. So just basically adding in a couple of exercises, like hanging leg raises, you know, crunches, things like that where I could actually add weight. I wanted to do exercises that were tough. 
Okay, so with abs, I don't think you should be sat there doing hundreds and hundreds of crunches, okay? That's not really gonna help. It's gonna be very hard to find the point of failure there, and that's not gonna lead to great growth. So you wanna be doing challenging exercises that, again, you're gonna be failing at around sort of 12 reps, you know, maybe 15 reps. So hanging leg raises, weighted crunches, decrying crunches, um, cable chops, these are all exercises that are harder to do. So it's a lot, you know, it's, it's, it's not as gonna be as easy for you to be able to, you know, smash out hundreds of these, and, and it's very time consuming as well to be doing that. So that's a little tip when it comes from an abs perspective. Now, in terms of actually how we peaked for the shoot, now, probably gonna do a separate podcast on this at some point because it's, there's a little bit more that goes into it. Um, but effectively, when we get a week before a shoot, there is a few things that we can do to really manipulate our condition. So the peak only really works if you're in good shape already, okay? So if there's still lots of body fat to lose or there's a little bit of body fat to lose, I don't think a peak week is really gonna make much of a difference. You'd be much better off just dieting for that last week really fucking hard to see if you can knock off another few pounds. The peak only works really if you're in good shape already, you've got the six pack, you, you know, you, you're lean enough. And then after that, if you put like a little peak in place, you can get the last few percent and look absolutely incredible on the day. So the peak for, for us was a pretty big thing because condition for me was there. You know, I knew I was going to be in good shape. So we basically just did something the last few days, which helped me get the, helped bring the best out of my physique for the shoot. So the kind of the biggest thing that we did was in terms of carbohydrate manipulation, okay? So what we did is we dropped my carbs for the first few days, okay? So we basically pulled them down. They weren't massively low, so I wasn't literally zero carb, but they were probably maybe to around like 100 grams, 150 for a few days. Now what this did is it massively depleted my glycogen stores, okay? So glycogen is what basically makes our muscles look full. So by doing that, we completely depleted them. So I looked very flat, it didn't look great, okay? So that wasn't a look that I was gonna be having when we got into the shoot, it was for a good reason. Now, when we do that, we then had the ability to be able to fill my glycogen stores, so they actually ended up looking a little bit better. So what we've got to think about of our body is like a sponge, okay? If we squeeze it out as much as possible to try and get rid of all the glycogen, we can then retain and actually suck up even more glycogen. So we can actually get even more of a fuller effect on our physique by doing that kind of like the, the um, the, the, the way that we lower things before. So by getting rid of the glycogen beforehand, we can actually then be able to uptake more glycogen afterwards to look even better. So effectively what we did is we then ran a few higher carb days, about 400, uh, we started at about like four, 500, then we pushed up to about six, 700. And I think we maybe even hit 800 on one of the peak of the higher carb days. And we did about three days of loading in total. And again, it's gonna be dependent on each person. You can probably get away with two high days in, in terms of carbohydrates, but then we did about three. Um, and then what this did is just gave me a very full effect. Now, the weird thing is, is that my weight did not go up. So really my weight still stuck to around 84, 85 kilos. And I was eating a lot of carbs because fats were very low. Uh, protein was a little bit lower as well. So my body was just sucking the carbs up. It was crazy. I was looking very, very full. Um, but again, the weight was not spiking that much because we really control things. Another reason for that as well is because we manipulated sodium. So we basically, I, I massively took, overtook sodium. So I took a lot more than I should have. I really like salted all my meals. And I mean a lot of salt as well. Like this was actually something I'd never done before. So working with a coach actually really opened my eyes in terms of like how kind of sodium manipulation can work. Because we was, I was literally probably stood there for like a minute, like, uh, getting the salt out of the out of the uh, pink Himalayan salt thing, and just getting a lot more than what I would actually have expected. Um, so we used a lot of salt, and that again really helped me dry out a little bit more. It helped me really like manipulate that condition even more, so dry out, look better, and again it just gave me that real good effect. It helped my veins come out a little bit more, and it just helped me look even better on the day. So we used a, a bit of uh, sodium manipulation, we used carb manipulation, and then of course we used the water manipulation as well. So we effectively drank. I drank a shitload of water for a few days, which basically got my body into 
into full flushing mode. So people think that if they drink more water, they're going to look bloated. This is absolute bullshit. If you drink more water, you're actually probably going to look leaner because if you keep drinking, your body's going to just keep flushing more water out. So what happened is I kept flushing and flushing and flushing more water out. We were doing about eight liters of water per day. And then when I cut my water out, which was, I think the afternoon before the shoot, which would have been the afternoon the following day, if that makes sense, about 24 hours before, uh, my body was still fresh and water out. So effectively what this meant is I woke up even drier. My body was not holding much water at all. Now, this is not healthy. This is not something that you should be doing all the time. I would not recommend doing this when you go on holiday. This is literally just about doing it just for like a one day event where you will look dry, shredded and even better. So we did that and it really helped me again look even leaner on the day. So a little bit of manipulation with regards to water intake there as well. Obviously, when the shoot was done, I was back to drinking water again and really getting uh, getting my hydration back on point. So it's not something I recommend. So that's effectively how we looked at things in terms of a manipulation standpoint in the last few days before the shoot. And I was really happy with my condition. I thought I came into the shoot looking good. I, I came in looking full. I was I was lean. Uh, my abs were really popping. So it worked really, really well. And it helped me understand, again, a little bit more about how I repeat clients. And again, just a bit more of an understanding of exactly how that kind of side of things works. Um, now, a few other things I wanted to cover. So how I curb my cravings is going to be a big one because... Let's be honest, when you are looking to get completely shredded and lean, there are going to be times where you do get hungry, okay? You are not going to be able to go through an entire dieting phase when your goal is to get very, very, very lean without having a little bit of a hunger episode at times. And that did happen for me. Now, a few ways that I managed to curb this as best as possible. The first thing was to speak by keeping extremely busy. So I made sure that I was busy a lot of the time. I was channeling a lot of my energy and my focus towards getting things done. Now, what I find sometimes, which is a little bit weird, is that when I'm hungry, okay, I actually feel like I'm way more productive. So in the mornings when I'm fasted, I get the most amount of work done because sometimes carbs and just eating can make you feel a little bit sluggish. As soon as it starts to have a bit of an effect on your blood sugar levels, you can start to crash a little bit from an energy level. Now, obviously, if you're eating good quality foods, that that is not going to happen very much, but I sometimes find fasted, I do get more done. So I really, really channel my focus and my energy towards doing things, towards business, towards just generally getting things done, towards, you know, going and doing my step count. I kept busy and this massively helped me, you know, not feel as hungry as much as I would have if I was just sat there twiddling my thumbs, you know, scrolling through Instagram. Then hunger would probably start to pick up a lot. The second thing that I did is I really pushed my calories a lot. So I think backloading calories is a very, very effective tool because let's be honest, no one really gets hungry in the morning. You don't get out of bed in the morning and think, oh, I'd love to go and have that, you know, Ben and Jerry's that's been sat in the freezer. it's it's something that happens in the evening time. So what I really did is I didn't eat so much in the morning. I kind of saved it on my food. I went and trained. Sometimes I was training fasted and I felt absolutely fine. And then when I came back, that's when I start to really eat a lot of my calories. So if I was to save like around 1,000 calories just for the simply for the evening, that massively, massively helped me again. So, you know, I'd be able to sit in front of the TV, I'd be able to actually enjoy a decent amount of food. I'd really have like good food choice as well. So I have a lot of food volume. You know, a lot of those things were going to fill me up, like lots of veg really plunked onto the plate. And that was absolutely fine. So I think food quality and fasting was something that really helped me as well. And again, generally, I didn't get that hungry. It was, it was very effective. Couple of other little hacks. So I used things like 10 cow jellies, which are an absolute godsend. Obviously, if you are dieting and you're trying to get lean and you get a little bit hungry in the, in the evening time and you get a sweet tooth, I would say 10 cow jellies can be an absolute game changer for you. So you don't want to have too many of these because they are a little bit of a laxative. So you don't want to have loads of, uh, of 10 cow jellies or you're going to have a few digestive problems. Um, but they, they can be effective for that reason. 
So I use some of those as well. They're also not great in terms of a bloating perspective. So if you have loads of jellies, you're going to feel a little bit bloated. You're going to feel a little bit shit. But look, if you have a few, um, I used to actually get the the sachets and I used to make the jelly in the morning and I used to put it in the fridge and then it would make like a huge like volume like Tupperware of jelly and that would just like serve me so well. I'd, it'd probably take me about sort of 20 minutes to eat that. By the time I'd eaten it, generally I wasn't very hungry afterwards. Um, I'd also use things like diet drinks. So I'd have like zero calorie drinks. Um, again, like they worked absolutely fine. People think they're bad. Nothing is bad. If, nothing can be bad if you have it in moderation, okay? Like people think that, you know, if you have loads of Diet Coke and all these different things, it's going to make a massive difference to your health. It's not. So that was something I did as well. I probably had like towards the end of that prep, maybe one of those per day in the evening time. And again, it massively helps. Obviously, like carbonated drinks as well. Good for kind of like bloating out your stomach a little bit less cravings. So don't go completely mad. Don't literally live off monster, but you can get away with having a few diet drinks every now and then. There's absolutely no issue with doing that. Generally, you don't have very many calories in them anyway. So you're not really going to see that it's going to sort of cause you a huge problem from that angle. Um, and then I used to occasionally, I probably get slated for saying this, but I used to use stuff like nicotine gum sometimes as well. So <laughs> nicotine gum is very good because it completely curbs your hunger. So nicotine obviously is a stimulant. So look, I'm not saying you should go out and have lots of that. It is an addictive substance as well. So we don't want to be having a lot but it's got a much shorter uh, half-life than caffeine. So if you smash a coffee in the evening time, that's going to be sat on you all night. You're not going to get good sleep. You're going to be disrupted. You're never going to get into REM sleep or deep sleep. So don't do that. Nicotine's got a very short half-life. So you can have it and within half an hour, it's worn off. It's gone. It's out of your system. So it's a very, very good stimulant because again, it can help you curb hunger, uh, but you don't get the effect that it would from caffeine in terms of keeping you up all night. There's also been some studies to show that nicotine can speed up your metabolism a little bit. Now, look, I'm not going to say that that is an actual thing, but there is some research which suggests that which if we're looking at from from a fat loss perspective that is something that's going to be um you know something that we'd want so i I used to occasionally use a little bit of nicotine gum in evening times if i was feeling really really hungry or also also what's very good about nicotine gum is it's good from a cognitive performance perspective as well so nicotine gum actually will like give you a bit more concentration so sometimes even when i'm here now like i'm not hungry by any means because my calories are high but if i really want to get like a quick burst of energy and i'm feeling a little bit sluggish and i want to you know do a deep piece of work i'll take half piece of nicotine gum and it'll help me really concentrate um but you know i'm not addicted by any means it's not something it's not substance that i need in my life it's just something that can help sometimes and just give me a little bit of a boost um so that's that from a curbing perspective a few things that I just want to finish this podcast on that I think it's important to be aware of when it comes to getting in this kind of shape, okay? Getting absolutely shredded. Like, there's a few things you need to be aware of before you just you know, decide that it's something that you want to do. So the first thing is that you are going to feel tired at times. You are going to feel a little bit groggy, okay? That is normal because our body does not want to be super lean. Our body does not want to be six-pack shredded. If we lose too much weight or we keep losing weight, our body does not know the difference between us just wanting to look shredded for our holiday and us dying, okay? If we're losing weight, our body thinks we're in famine mode. It thinks we're dying. So it's obviously going to cause you to sometimes feel more tired. It's going to kind of cause you to feel more hungry because it's, it's it's trying to, you're almost fighting against your body. It's trying to stop you from doing this, okay? And that's not a reason for you to quit, but it's something to be aware of, okay? You are going to feel a bit tired at times and potentially want to quit and want to throw in the towel. Uh, but again, you know, if we want to really test our resilience, if we really want to test our willpower, um, then of course we need to be able to kind of overcome these things as much as possible. The second thing, um, this is something that I think guys need to know, you potentially are going to have a little bit of a drop in your sex drive, okay? So your hormones are going to start to maybe uh, drop a little bit, your testosterone is going to start to drop a little bit because you know, you're know you losing weight. You, you, you wouldn't be losing muscle, you shouldn't be losing muscle mass, but if you're in a calorie deficit for long enough, you are going to see a slight drop in testosterone. So 
And now I'm only talking this from like the last few weeks. I don't mean throughout an entire diet. I'm talking, if we are literally trying to go from 12% body fat to 8% body fat, you are going to potentially see a little bit of a drop in your testosterone levels and your sex drive. Um, and that is just something I experienced. And again, I think it's important because if you're in a relationship, I think it's a, it's a conversation you should have with your partner. And this is something I actually spoke to my partner about and, and said to her at the time, you know, look, like I am genuinely in a diet here. There could be uh, something, it's something that we need to be aware of. And it was. So it's something you need to be aware of. It's not, again, it's not something that's not going to come back when you start eating more food. But when you are trying to get super, super lean, this is the stuff that people don't tell you, but you do need to know this, okay? Um, the second thing is it's not easy or everyone would be shredded, okay? Do not think that you can just walk into a diet and get into the shape of your life without putting in a bit of hard work and a bit of graft because if it was that easy, everyone would be completely ripped and that is absolutely not the case. The next thing is you have to control the reverse diet. This is so important, okay? I'm gonna say this again. You have to control the reverse diet. I have fucked this up so badly and it has probably put me in one of the worst places I've ever been in my life because I binged so hard after my competition and I felt awful. And I gained weight so quick. I, I, I didn't even realize that you could gain weight that quickly. I think I gained like freaking seven kilos in about a week. Okay. And I, I was, it was horrible. Okay. And I learned a lot from doing that. But that is not what you should be doing. That is not what I ever want to do again. Because I literally spent probably a, a good few days of just completely binging and eating whatever I wanted. And I always just thought to myself, oh, well, you know, it's a few days. And I wake up the next day and I'd be like, right, I'm going to get back on it now. And then I'd the hunger pick up and I fuck it up again. So I got myself in a very, very, very bad way, a binge restrict cycle, which I almost class myself as having a food disorder. I don't think I did, but it took me a long time to sort it out. So I think you need to be so careful. And again, this is why you need proper accountability and guidance after your, after your diet. I did not have that for my competition. I left my coach, to be honest, we, you know, I don't want to say a bad thing about the coach, but we, we probably weren't working together as well as we would have liked. I didn't have a coach afterwards and, you know, I, I ended up binging badly. I didn't have any accountability and, and I lost my way. This time I kept working with my coach. We went through a very like productive, good reverse diet afterwards, um, which led us nicely into another gaining phase. And look, we control things really well. I stuck to the plan. I nailed the calories. I didn't have as bad cravings as I did before my shoot, uh, before my competition. And things went really, really, really well. And, you know, I kept that leanness throughout the entirety of the summer. I still have that leanness now. Um, I built a lot of size after it as well. A very productive few weeks after your shoot can be huge because your body wants to gain muscle mass. Your body is receptive to gaining weight because it's been dieting for a long time. So you need to use that phase effectively. You need to be able to slowly increase those calories and work with your body to really start building muscle mass and get yourself out of that dieted state of being in a deficit. And that's something that we worked really well at doing. Okay. And the last thing I want you to really think about is focus on the process and not the prize. It's important to keep in the back of your mind of the date of the shoot or the date of when you're trying to be in shape. But if you focus so much solely on that, you are not going to build the habits and you're not going to build, you know, the life that you need to be able to sustain that result afterwards. So it's so important to be process driven and not uh, focus on the outcome and be outcome driven. Okay, so focus on the prize. Enjoy the journey. Enjoy sometimes having to put yourself in a bit of a, a shit situation. Enjoy the graft and sometimes the hardness of the prep. Um, so that you know you can keep that result and it's not something that as soon as you get there, you end up falling afterwards. Because what happened for me when I did my competition is I got to it and it, it wasn't all, all it made out to be. I actually didn't enjoy it that much anyway. I didn't really get the result I wanted. And then afterwards, I just felt like this thing had just 
I, I had nothing to work towards. I was so focused on that day. I was so focused on the competition that when that was taken away from me, I had nothing, okay? And that is why I fell down the route that I fell down. I actually think what works really well is if you do do something like a photo shoot or whatever or a holiday, book something about four weeks later because what that will do is it will stop you from getting in that habit of, oh, well, the shoot's done now, so I don't need to work towards anything anymore. Or the holiday's been done now, I don't need to work towards anything anymore. That's a really powerful thing you can do. If you try and book something about four to six weeks afterwards, so you know, book a photo shoot, book another holiday, book an event, festival, whatever, um, that will really help you stay focused during that very, very, very critical period that happens after you get lean for a holiday for a holiday or for a photo shoot or whatever because you do need to keep that focus in place and not be so driven towards that outcome okay guys that is all i've got for you today i really hope this helps um, i really hope this gives you a perspective on what's required to get super lean okay it is not all what it's made out to be okay it is hard you go to some dark places it's not easy but like I said at the start of this podcast, I genuinely think it's a huge character builder. Um, I think there's something every single guy should try and strive towards and put themselves through. It's not something you have to live forever. You don't have to live, you know, live and breathe being completely shredded all the time. That's actually not very healthy. But if you want to really test yourself and see what you're made of, then I just generally think that you should always try and strive for doing this at least once in your life. See how you feel, you know, get the trophy, get the pictures, <laughs> see what it feel, how you feel like when you've done it. And then you can go and talk and, and uh, you know, and, and feel proud of what you have achieved as an individual, which I think is super important with your fitness goals. So anyway, I absolutely hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. If you have, uh, please stick it on your story. Give me a tag. Um, make sure you leave the podcast a five-star review as well. Um, any reviews that you want to leave, I massively appreciate it too. And guys, I will catch you in the next episode. Have an absolutely incredible week.